Though the Seahawks weren't playing in Wild Card Weekend, Jody Allen, John Schneider, and company certainly had their eyes closely monitoring a handful of candidates who could potentially replace Pete Carroll. Is Dan Quinn still a front runner for this job after Dallas got defeated by Green Bay at home in the Wild Card Round? We'll be breaking it all down on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here for this Monday episode by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks were not playing in this weekend's wildcard round, unfortunately, but that doesn't mean that these games didn't have high stakes for Jody Allen, Josh Schneider, and company. We're going to be checking out an in-depth look at what went down in these wildcard games for some candidates that have been linked to the Seahawks. Then we're going to tackle your questions in our Monday mailbag and a coach profile on maybe the most popular coaching candidate out there on social media, Mike McDonald of the Baltimore Ravens, their dynamic defensive coordinator. Jam-packed episode coming your way courtesy of Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Now for your lead story here on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. There's still two wild card games remaining today, but the first four games in this weekend slate to open the playoffs There were plenty of ramifications for the Seahawks, even though they weren't playing this weekend, didn't make the playoffs with Pete Carroll out after 14 seasons as head coach. Several candidates for that coaching job were trying to further illustrate why they deserve that job this weekend in the wildcard round. Then certainly some mixed results for those that have been linked to the Seahawks. And Rob, I think we got to start with the name that everybody's been talking about since yesterday's debacle at Jerry World, giving up six touchdowns to the Green Bay Packers. It was the most defensive points allowed in a playoff game by the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe not the look that Dan Quinn was hoping to have heading into interviews for his second head coaching job. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, you know, it's going to be very difficult to to make a strong argument for Dan Quinn, given how uh, how disappointing the performance was by the Dallas Cowboys, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now, there were some problems on offense, as of course, as well. But uh, you know, th- this was a a squad that I don't think anybody anticipated the Green Bay Packers are going to be able to come into Dallas and be able to uh, perform as well as they did. Both the quarterback Jordan Love as well as the Green Bay running attack, or we're absolutely dominant in, in this football game. So it, it is a disappointing performance for the Dallas Cowboys defense. Now, how much of that blame really should be placed on Dan Quinn? That's of course what uh, you know John Schneider, Jody Allen, et cetera, et cetera, are going to have to determine. Um, you know, were the Dallas Cowboys, you know, perhaps reading some of their own press clippings? Uh, I think that that is a, an argument that maybe you can make for the head coach Mike McCarthy, maybe even the owner Jerry Jones. 
of the Dallas Cowboys rather than just Dan Quinn. But, you know, it's not just about Dan Quinn from a Dallas perspective. I think that Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator, has been somebody that, you know, we should be also focusing as a possible Seahawks candidate from that for particular football game and you know while the Dallas Cowboys in well, the entire squad right now is uh you know wondering what's going to happen moving forward I think that we could also switch our attention to the more positive side like what uh, Bobby Sloak and the, and the Houston Texans and the way that they performed in a very impressive victory against the Cleveland Browns one of the more formidable defenses in all of the NFL and the way that their rookie quarterback CJ Stroud uh you know absolutely dismantled the Cleveland defense, then I think that there may be, there are going to be some other more offensive uh, minds out there that, that could be taking over that mantle as perhaps um, the, the logical candidate for where the Seahawks might be going in the future. And I want to say this, and I think you and I both would agree on this being football guys, being around the game, a sport where there are fewer games than there are in any of the other major pro sports. You have limited opportunities and, you have a whole week between games, or in the case here, you've got a long break now until you're going to be back on the field beyond OTAs and minicamp. This is as long of a break as there is as pro sports because of the violence and the physicality in this sport. You just can't play more than the number of games that these teams play. But you can't put too much stock in one game. I understand that, and you and I both talked about this before we started the show, that this is something that fans have to think about too. Dan Quinn had a top seven ranked defense of the Dallas Cowboys each of his three seasons as defensive coordinator. You can't forget about the resume. Obviously, that is a much bigger sample size than one game. Give credit to the Green Bay Packers and to Jordan Love. I don't know if there's been a quarterback that has improved more since the beginning of the season to now than Jordan Love. He is dicing opponents up. He's playing with great confidence. And that's a credit to LeFleur, the head coach. He's doing a great job putting his quarterback in position to succeed. And Dan Quinn's not the one that's missing tackles. Dan Quinn's not the one that's blowing assignments. Now, obviously, that goes back to preparation, too. But that has not been an issue for this defense all year round. So you're wondering what happened in this game outside of just the normal practice week that caused this defensive performance to happen the way that it did. So I will say that, that look, you've got to, You also have to view the resume. And I don't think that Jody Allen and John Schneider should just look at this one game and say, you know what, Dan Quinn isn't worth interviewing for this head coaching job. At the same time, in a game of this nature, to give up six touchdowns to a Packers offense that's been middle of the pack all year in your home stadium, you also can't ignore it. So I think that both those things can be true. Look at the entire resume, but also don't ignore what you just saw out there. And I think it is going to have some negative impact on Dan Quinn's ability to get a head coaching job. Do I think he still gets one? Yeah. But from Seattle's perspective, I certainly think it opens the door back up for more candidates to really get a close look. And maybe Slowick is one of those candidates that his name hasn't been thrown out there yet report-wise. But if they're going to be looking for a young offensive-minded coach, which there's been some murmurs that's what they would like to bring in, then certainly Slowick, what he did against the Cleveland Browns, getting that offense rolling, 45 points. Now two of those touchdowns came on defense, but still more than 30 points against that Cleveland Browns defense, averaging 8.1 yards per play, 13 yards per pass attempt. Having C.J. Stroud certainly helps. The kid is a dynamic rookie quarterback that has exceeded all expectations this year, but still give the OC credit too. They had the better running game in that game and the way that he had the 
the scheme set up for his quarterback to succeed against a defense that was number one in yards allowed this year, Rob. That is incredibly impressive. So same idea. Don't you got to make sure you look at the entire body of work, but his entire body of work this year is pretty darn impressive. And what they did on Saturday, that is probably the most impressive thing on his resume now. Oh, it certainly is, at least in my opinion. And I, I'll give you another uh, aspect about both Sloak as well as Dan Quinn that, you know, to your point that you made before about keeping the resume in mind rather than playing the recency bias kind of game. I think that we just live in a society now, Corbin, where it's uh, it's very much what have you done for me lately. And, you know, again, one of the things that I was so very impressed with Dan Quinn, in particular with this season, is the fact that the Dallas Cowboys lost, you know, arguably the best big play cornerback in all of the NFL as the season began in Trevon Diggs. And then, you know, in, in large part, I, I at least I'm attributing a large part of it to Dan Quinn, Deron Bland emerged as that dominant player. He was a good player a year ago for Dallas Cowboys, but he emerged as all pro this season. That to me is one of the things that's really intriguing about Dan Quinn is that he does have a track record of guys just absolutely blowing up in his system. You go all the way back to his days at, uh, you know, with, with the Miami Dolphins and Nick Saban when he was a defensive line coach. Jason Taylor was the defensive player of the year. I mentioned that because going back to Bobby Slovak, one of the things that really impressed me again, what the, the success that CJ Stroud, quarterback, uh, had as a rookie is incredibly impressive, but also another rookie that went down about midseason for the Houston, Texas Tank Dell, an absolutely dynamic speedster. When they lost Tank Dell to an injury, the Houston Texans offense just kept humming. And again, that is a, a testament to the Texans coaching staff and their talent. But uh, Sloak in particular, I think that um, if Dan Quinn is going to drop a little bit due to wild card weekend, then I think that Sloak definitely is jumping up a spot or two based on the uh, success that his club enjoyed. I think that we can all agree that there's probably going to be too much stock put in one game with all these candidates, but that is part of the process. You are looking for guys that can become your head coach that can take you to the promised land. You're looking to win championships. So if your team gives up six touchdowns on defense in an upset loss at home, that is certainly a major red mark on your coaching resume. If you go in against one of the top defense in the NFL, Cleveland Browns, and you put up 30-plus points on offense against them the way that the Texans did, that's certainly going to be a positive feather in the cap on Bobby Sloak's resume. And so that's how this goes. And if you can lead your team to a really deep playoff run, if you're Houston, Sloak can sign any, any check with the teams out there that are looking for head coaches. So I think both these guys still very much remain on Seattle's uh, peripheral on their radar. But I think that this loss for Dan Quinn and the Cowboys may have much more impact even than what Sloak's win over the Cleveland Browns does in terms of his resume, where he stacks up with other candidates available in this year's coaching carousel. Up next, we're going to tackle your questions in our Monday mailbag. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This episode is brought your way by Game Time. If you've ever been in the hunt for sports or concert tickets in the last minute, the process can be anxiety provoking. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful and make you want to rip your hair out. 
Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you should be having. If you're wanting to see a Kraken game in downtown Seattle using Game Time's awesome flash deals feature and a detailed stadium map, you can find awesome seats for $120 right now. And super easy. You can forget about planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And with their Game Time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download a Game Time app, create an account. And use the code locked on for $20 off your purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code locked on for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This episode is also brought your way by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin, and that is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if my wife or one of my family members got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, sinusitis, respiratory infections, skin infections, among others. This stuff can happen to any of us, but with Jace Medical, you can take care of any of these issues when they crop up. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code Locked On to get $20 off your order. Welcome back. You're listening to the Monday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It's time to open up our Monday mailbag, and we got tons of questions from you, the value 12s, that listen to our show five days a week. Let's get to those questions, Rob. And the first one here. A multi-question segment here coming from Mama Maliak on threads. Wondering how much you think the culture feel of the team will change with Pete gone. Is how much of the Hawks on Schneider picking? How much is Pete Carroll coaching? How much is Seattle brace for a change of vibes? Well, I think that you know, it all depends, of course, on who the new head coach that brought in. If it is going to be somebody like Dan Quinn, who has two different tours in Seattle, uh, you know, then then I I think that you, there would be a minimal change in terms of the vibe. Uh, you know, like Pete Carroll, Dan Quinn is a very emotional head coach. And you'll you're or excuse me, emotional coach, not just as a head coach, which of course he served for Atlanta and also for one game uh, with the Dallas Cowboys when uh, my McCarthy was out, uh, you know, but, uh, but he, again, he is, uh, he's emotionally he works his heart on his sleeve. He's a passionate guy. He's all about physicality and toughness and competitiveness, which again, makes the Dallas Cowboys abysmal performance in the playoffs here uh, on Sunday, that much more disappointing. But uh, I think that if you went with an entirely different direction with a new type of head coach, maybe you're going to have somebody's a little bit more kind of buttoned down in, in that approach. But I do think that the, the general culture of the team is not just Pete Carroll, as great of a coach and as great of a leader as I think that Pete Carroll is. I think that it is, uh, you know, something that John Schneider has also brought in. You know, the, the fact that they, you know, he and his scouts kind of made a, 
a little bit of a joke about it. And they wore these these uniforms that kind of symbolize that they're the hard workers. They're, they're the guys in the, in the shop working overtime, looking for tough guys with the big anvil messages and things like that. There is going to be, I think, a, a recommitment to physicality, to toughness, to competitiveness. I don't think that just because Pete Carroll is no longer head coach of the Seahawks at the, at the club is going to forget that is how you get bigger, stronger, faster, and win. Our next question here coming from Dean Christopher Watson on threads. What kind of draft capital would the Seahawks have to give up to trade to the number one or number two positions in this year's draft? And so this has been a frequent question because there are Seahawks fans wondering, you know, is this the year that John Schneider decides to give up a bunch of high draft picks? Let's go get that franchise quarterback early in the draft, a Caleb Williams or a Drake May or a Jaden Daniels, one of those top guys in this year's class. And I can tell you, just based on what we saw last year, Rob, we saw the Chicago Bears and the Carolina Panthers make a trade, and the Panthers were in the top 10. They were at number nine, and they moved up to that number one spot. They gave up multiple first-round picks, a couple second-round picks. They gave up a top 10 caliber receiver in DJ Moore. So the Seahawks trading up from spot number 16 – you're looking at a King's ransom. You're going to have to give up at least two, maybe even three first round picks. You're going to have to maybe include somebody like a DK Metcalf in that deal to move up. Now, number two overall, you'd still have to give a steep price, but number one, that's a really expensive ticket on its own. So for fans that are thinking about that, uh, Seattle would have to give up a ton of picks and they're probably going to have to give up at least one or two established stars to be able to do it. So you have to wonder, is that going to be worth it for the Seahawks to make that kind of a move? So there's a lot of other variables to consider here, but at spot number 16, I find it very hard to believe that the Seahawks would be able to pull off a trade and that John Schneider would be willing to give up what he'd have to give up to move up that far into the top three, let alone the number one overall selection Next question here from Rob. Do you think John Schneider has been wanting a young QB for a while? And it was Pete who always was against it. And this is coming from Gabe King, 64 on X. I don't think that it's as simple as just one guy wanted a quarterback and another guy didn't. I think I, I really do believe in what uh, Pete Carroll has said in his, you know, post Seahawk season or Seahawk career as head coach uh, press conference when he basically said that, you know, this was a marriage between he and John Schneider. I think that they, that both, uh, both men would have preferred to have a young superstar quarterback developing in the wings. But at the same time, if you did make that investment in a young quarterback and, and he was that good, everybody would see it and it would uh, damage the, you know, the relationship that you already had with your starter, whether that had been Geno Smith or, or, or Drew Locke or Russell Wilson years ago. I think that this was more the philosophy of the Seahawks uh, brain trust, Carol Schneider, et cetera, et cetera, that let, let's find the quarterback that is our, clear-cut starter build around him i think that they just un unfortunately for seahawks didn't do a good enough job of developing the young talent at other positions i think now of course uh with, with geno smith is still under contract and so that is going to be the presumptive way they move forward i think that they will be looking to get another young quarterback now um perhaps even bringing drew lock back but i don't think that that is priority number one and therefore i would 100 agree with you in the last question i think it's cost prohibitive but of no way that I, I anticipate the Seahawks are going to be packaging any type of moves to be moving up in the top two or three selections. Our next question coming from Jack Ryder Paris on threads. 
Will the Seahawks continue to ignore the trenches in the draft and add skill position players and running backs in early rounds way above their positional value? So I'm going to punch back a little bit at this question just for a couple of reasons. One, saying that the Seahawks have ignored the trenches, I don't think is accurate. You picked Charles Cross with a top 10 selection a couple years ago. You also drafted Abraham Lucas in the third round, a guy that had a second round grade for a lot of people. You got him in the third round. They drafted Derek Hall and Boy Mafe, two guys that are playing off the edge. And Mafe had a breakout second season. Maybe Derek Hall has that in store next year for the Seahawks. So I'm going to push back with the idea that they have been neglecting or not prioritizing the trenches. Now you could look at defensive tackle and say that there's some questions there, but the moves they made this year for the most part really worked with bringing in veteran players. So I don't really necessarily agree with the thought process fully behind that question. At the same time, I get it. You look at the guard and center positions. There are going to be fans wondering why did we not attack that position more? And of course, a few years ago, not getting Creed Humphrey and picking D Eskridge as instead that is the one that obviously jumps out of the head scratcher at this point, why Seattle didn't do that. I can understand the question marks about drafting running backs in the second round two years in a row and things like that. But I also think that it's maybe a little bit harsh to say that they have not been prioritizing the trenches because they have made several picks early in the trenches the last couple of seasons. Next question for Rob coming from Michael Freeborn on threads. Any college coaches not named Jim Harbaugh who Seattle may have interest in. You know, I, I would be surprised to see the, the Seahawks go that route. Um, I, I mentioned a, a former uh, a former college coach and David Shaw, who had done a, a terrific job at Stanford for years, uh, comes from the the Jim Harbaugh tree himself. Um, and, and so I, I think that he would make some sense at least to give him a phone call and see if he has any type of interest. Um, you know, frankly, I still think that even though Nick Saban says that he is retired, I can't see him as necessarily a, a great fit in Seattle for a variety of reasons, but I still believe that he is one heck of a football coach, including at the NFL level. Obviously, he had his struggles there with the Miami Dolphins, but still, if you are kind of rebuffed in, in some of your initial interest, if a if a Dan Quinn or Mike McDonald or whoever the case might be, if you don't get your top choices, I do think that there are some quality uh, candidates at the collegiate level that are at least worth kind of making a phone call and engaging some interest in if there's a match there. And our last question coming from Bertram Duell on threads, wild card head coach candidate. So this is a tough time of year to do that because normally you've got your handful of names that have been thrown out there, but we know how this business works, Rob. There are going to be candidates for all these teams that have openings. They're going to come out of the woodwork that weren't being talked about. Maybe Bobby Slowick ends up being that guy that's a front runner for the Seahawks, even though we haven't heard much away from our show I'm going to mention the offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins as my wild card here. Now, I know that the Dolphins just went to ice-cold Kansas City and the offense struggled mightily. They put up just seven points, but still, I think that Frank Smith has done a fantastic job there, and he's also got a really interesting uh, resume when you consider he was an assistant offensive line coach for the New Orleans Saints in a five-year span. They ranked third in the league for fewest sacks given up during those five years that he was on the staff. He's been a run game coordinator before with the Chargers. And 
The Chargers were near the top of the league that year in sacks that were not allowed. They were one of the least sacked teams, and that was with Justin Herbert in the lineup. I mean, they uh, the track record that he's got with these teams he's been with is pretty impressive. So if you're looking for a guy that's got an offensive line background that could make some sense, that's been with several teams and and learned under several different types of coaches, and he's coming from Mike McDaniel's coaching tree now, of all things, then certainly that would be a wild card name for me that the Seahawks could certainly take a look at that the Dolphins have one of the best run games in the NFL this year. If you're wanting to get your run game going, uh, bring this guy in and he'll know how to make that happen. Up next, we're going to be taking close looks at a number of coaches that are candidates to replace Pete Carroll in depth, entire segments, breaking them down. And we're going to start off with the candidate that, and at least based on social media that I believe is the consensus favorite for fans. And that's Mike McDonald, the young, talented defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. We're going to be checking out his resume up next here on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. The NFL playoffs are officially underway, and there's plenty of time to get in the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel. The playoffs is the perfect time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that you can find in the Parlay Hub, including spreads for all of the wildcard games. Player props, such as the number of touchdown passes by Mason Rudolph for the Pittsburgh Steelers, over-unders, and much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We are in the midst of the coaching carousel. And unlike past seasons, it's been a long time since the Seahawks have been looking for a head coach with Pete Carroll at the helm the last 14 seasons. They are looking for his replacement. There are a number of exciting names that have been floating around out there. We know that Dan Quinn already has been linked to the Seahawks for an interview, but the other name that reportedly has been brought up for interviews is Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. And Rob, I'll admit, I don't spend quite as much time on social media as of late as what I used to, but I still spend enough time to know what the pulse is for fans. And I can tell you right now, Mike McDonald, is probably the most popular coaching candidate by consensus for Seahawks fans to take this job. And why not when you see what he has done with the Baltimore Ravens defense and what he did before that with the Michigan Wolverines in his lone season as their defensive coordinator? No, you make an excellent point. Uh, I think that there's a lot of reasons why people should be very excited uh, about the possibility of Mike McDonald as a head coach. Uh, if, if you're looking for that that Sean McVay or that Mike Tomlin, that Kyle Shanahan, a, a, a coach that just kind of, uh, you know, just wows people in, in terms of just his, uh, his his football acumen, The it feels like a, the career ascent is just absolutely kind of skyrocketing at this point then 36 year old mike mcdonald defensive coordinator as you said corbin of the baltimore ravens uh you know last year 2021 he was defensive coordinator for one season of michigan got a million dollars to go there after previously being a defensive backs coach and several other different positions that he held in baltimore so kind of like dan quinn in seattle 
Quinn, of course, had been in Seattle, left to coach of Florida, came back to Seattle uh, with, with Pete Carroll after previously being here with uh, Jim Moore Jr., you know, that's the thing with Mike McDonald that he did in Baltimore. Uh, you know, he actually kind of started his his college coaching career at the University of Georgia. So we're talking about Georgia, Baltimore, Michigan, and again, the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens defense, Corey, was the best defense, the most sound, in, you know, all-around football team I saw all season long, uh, at least going up against the, the Seahawks. But the defense, what they did this year is very similar to the defense that the Seahawks had, of course, when they won the Super Bowl back in 2013. You know, the one, again, that was coached by Dan Quinn. I, I keep mentioning Quinn because I think there's a, some parallels here with just the dominance of the defense uh, that both of these – been uh, presided over you got to consider this season the Ravens defense finished the regular season leading the league in points allowed per game 16 and a half points per game in sacks with 60 and in takeaways with 31 Corbin that's never happened there's never been one defense that's led in those three categories points per game sacks and takeaways in the same season that's exactly what that uh, Mike McDonald has led the Baltimore Ravens to this season now he, he walked into a terrific situation now. There's no doubt the Baltimore Ravens are supremely talented. Their head coach, John Harbaugh, I think is one of the five or ten best, well, five or six or seven best in all of the NFL, certainly among the absolute elite coaches. Um, you know, are, of course, already has his first Super Bowl trophy, and I think they're the odds-on favorites to win a second one this year. But, again, a big part of that is Mike McDonald. He has had incredible success everywhere that he has gone. And, again, that. Uh, talked, there was a question before about will the Seahawks change the culture? If there's any changing of the culture with Mike McDowell as the Seahawks head coach, I think it's just going to be that much more physical, that much more uh, perhaps multiple on the defensive side of the ball. And I kind of like the continuity. We, we all know that Pete Carroll kind of cut his teeth as a college coach uh, or you know NFL coach and made his way with his expertise on the defensive side of the ball and specifically in the secondary. Same thing with Mike McDowell here. A lot of linebacker and defensive back coaching expertise. And so, again, considering – the talent that the Seahawks have already invested in in the secondary, considering they're going to be making all kinds of changes, presumably at linebacker, when you have your top three, Wagner, Jordan Brooks, and uh, of course, Devin Bush are all free agents entering this next season. So you're going to potentially have some transition at the linebacker spot. Mike McDowell makes an awful lot of sense in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that there are some parallels with Dan Quinn in the way that he coaches his players and the results that you saw in terms of dominance on the field from Dan Quinn's defenses in Dallas up until this wild card matchup that we talked about. But top seven, top seven defense, excuse me, for the last three seasons. And then the Seahawks obviously were number one in points allowed both years that he was defensive coordinator. They made the Super Bowl both the seasons, an immensely talented group. I want to give Mike McDonald a little bit more credit, though, because consider that he came back after one year at Michigan because the Ravens moved on from Week Martindale. The, the Ravens' defense was rough in the 2021 season. Even by their standards, it was, it was extremely poor. And they decided it was time to move on from a coach who had a lot of success earlier in his time in Baltimore. And I think Week Martindale is a coordinator but it was time for them to change things up and what Mike McDonald has done is he has just reaffirmed that physicality and that dominance that we have seen from the Ravens defense for most of their franchise's history that is what they've cut their teeth with great running game and the ability to stuff teams 
with a really good defense at all three levels, an aggressive defense. But I want to I take a few of the misnomers about Mike McDonald, this Ravens defense out there, and I want to kind of disprove them a little bit because one of the things I've seen a lot of fans mention is that, well, he's totally different from Pete Carroll in a sense. He blitzes all the time. Well, that's not necessarily true. If you're looking at the blitz rates, the Ravens were actually 16th this year in blitz rate at 28.1%. It went up a tick on passing downs, but they were still in the middle of the pack. They were also in the middle of the pack in stunt rate. What really makes it look like the Ravens are blitzing a lot, though, they were third in the NFL this year in what are called simulated pressures. And we've talked about these time and time again on the show. But to explain for our listeners that don't know what simulated pressures are, it's when you are sending defenders from the second and third level. So linebackers, corners, safeties, you're blitzing them and then you're dropping somebody from the defensive line back. So instead of you blitzing, sending five or more players, you're still only sending four rushers, but at least one of those rushers is coming from another level of the defense. And that creates some havoc for the offensive line with their pass protection calls. The Ravens are masterful at running simulated pressures and they do it all the time. Again, third most sim pressures this year, according to Pro Football Focus. So that's a major change from the Seahawks. The Seahawks, the last few years, and really most of the Pete Carroll era, that has not been a big part of their defensive toolbox. And even from a coverage standpoint, you are looking at a much different style coach than what Pete Carroll or Dan Quinn are, guys that cut their teeth with cover three and a lot of middle field closed concepts. The Ravens were in the top 10 in both cover four and cover six with two safeties back deep. Also ran a lot of cover zero, third most in the NFL this year. That's not something we saw very much at all from Pete Carroll during his 14 years as the coach. Cover three, the Ravens were ranked 29th. The Seahawks have always been near the top of the league in cover three usage. So you're talking about schematically a much different coach that doesn't blitz near as much as what a lot of people realize, but there's still a sense of aggression there that comes from the simulated pressures, the different types of looks they bring in their scheme. And that I think is another reason that Seahawks fans are really excited because many Seahawks fans just want to see something different. And Mike McDonald would bring that from a schematic perspective. No, he certainly would. And, uh, you know, to me, one of the things I always look at is I, I look at the personnel and, and how have they uh, either masked some of the deficiencies of, uh, of some of their personnel or, or perhaps, you know, really um, taking advantage of some of the unique skill sets that they have. Now, the Baltimore Ravens, again, are, are a ro- have a roster that is filled with very physical, tough guy kind of players. But, you know, what we've seen in, in terms of just breakout campaigns, for example, on a defensive lineman like Justin Matabuke this season, the safety, Geno Stone. Um, you know, I remember when the Seahawks played the Ravens, we talked about Geno Smith, obviously Seahawks quarterback against Geno stone the one of the more playmaking safeties in all of the nfl this past season and after the game in which the ci in which geno smith threw an interception to geno stone and pete carroll himself basically kind of characterized it that it was almost like uh like a punt i mean it was just like a, we threw another one up to him and he was in the right place at the right time there's a reason why he's in the right place at the right time it's because of the multiple defense because of those simulated pressures that you referred to corbin it put Baltimore's defensive players in positions to make big plays. 
so again, that's one of the, the attributes I think that uh, Mike Montgomery brings um, his his squad is that he has, uh, you know, he is a, just a very good X's and O's coach um, that is able to take the specific skill set of his players and be able to put them in positions where they can make game changing plays. And obviously the success that he has had again at Georgia, at Baltimore, Michigan, and then back with Baltimore, an awful lot of play, a lot, a lot of victories against high caliber caliber competition that is absolutely why i think the seahawks are in every other nfl team frankly is going to be knocking down the door this very young talented football coach and maybe the best part as you mentioned he's he's been a coach under both harbaugh's so if you are looking for a guy that's had pedigree and he's been coached up he's been mentored by the best of the best in college and the nfl certainly mike mcdonald has done that and now he has emerged as a prime head coach candidate in his own right and that's why the Seahawks already reportedly have requested an interview with the rising defensive coordinator, Phenom. As always, you can follow me on X and Threads at Corporate Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to subscribe to Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. When we come back on our Tuesday show, we are going to take a look at Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson as we continue our coaching profiles as the Seahawks Continue to seek out a replacement for Pete Carroll. You won't want to miss another jam-packed episode. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Monday. Go Hawks.